Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 190, episode two of The Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio, my favorite part of the show to do in a house crowded with my in-laws, just screaming Your Daily Zeitgeist at the top of my lungs while they look at my wife with disappointment in their eyes, but a smile on their lips. Like, yeah, no, that's yeah, normal. Great. That's good. You know, doctors don't do have to do stuff like that. <laughs> this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Starships are meant to fly. I saw them, says some guy. UFOs would be so tight. Perspective just isn't right. Starships are meant to fly. Tic Tacs up in the sky. Videos, they don't seem right. Can't stop these scammers, all our bloodsuckers. All right, that is courtesy of Johnny Davis. Uh, not quite able to pull off that last part, but uh, maybe with a little need to get like a vocoder or something yeah but hey shout out to johnny davis topical uh, as i lose my religion as i'm losing my religion with the ufo gods that i want to believe in uh and i'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host mr miles gray <laughs> oh no we gotta go all right, thank you to Rob Cunningham at Math Demigod for that wonderful Louis Louis, a.k.a. You know, just keeping it chug all day. All night. Were they actually drunk for that performance? or like? No, I mean, I was, well, truth be told, I was in a cover band where we would play at the Kibitz Room on Fridays uh, right. in the early t- 2010s. And uh, that was a song that we would play. And then, but our lead singer was always drunk. So in my mind, it's always through like Gloria and this song where I was like, Argh! right. Like, there's no, not, I mean, like, the, a, <laughs> the vocal performances are famously uh, like slurred and have oh, the, is, is the lore that he was drunk during that? They just always felt drunk to me. Yeah. I mean, no, you can't understand what they're saying. Yeah. But I mean, that's part of the art. I, I just always wondered what, if that was real or if they were just approximating it, because yeah, then that would be real problematic if they had to, if they like got drunk for the recording and then every live show they had to like go through the motions of pretending they were drunk. They're like, they ain't drunk. Like, <laughs> people what, in the crowd. Boo. It just sounds nothing like it when he's sober. Right. Stop <laughs> a Lewis Lewis. Uh, well, we are thrilled, Miles, to be joined in our third seat by an yes. actor, writer, and director who's created work for Disney, Tumblr, Tarjay, uh, whose work has been featured by Amy Poehler's Smart Girls and The Washington Post, among many others. She's been on screens and stages across this very land as a awesome. member of the Grand Link Sunday Company. Please welcome to the show, Kate Scott Campbell! <laughs> Hello, Jack, Miles, Jack's Welcome. in-laws. Great to be here, everybody. <laughs> they are listening in. Their, their ear is to the door. So. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm in a media closet. <laughs> hey, Kate. I don't hear anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh, Jack, that starship rendition was giving me some Jefferson starship nostalgia yeah. a little oh little, thank we you. built this city on rock and roll is where i was going which uh, oh wow one of the which, great songs of all time widely yeah. regarded you know <laughs> it a was classic. just a quick it was a quick a to b connection from your yeah. performance to that in my mind yeah oh thank you that means a lot i try to evoke that song even in my podcast hosting so it means a lot to me that you you were picking up on that well where are you coming to uh, yeah. us from well, you know, I am currently in South Pasadena, but I'm originally from San Francisco, which is where Jefferson Airplane, then Jefferson Starship, then Starship, I think was the evolution of that <laughs> that band's name, Yeah, yeah, is from. So actually, every time I drive up to to the Bay from L.A. and I'm driving over one of the LA bridges, the I, like to, I like to put that song on as a little return anthem. Um, Wait, so but- why, did, why did they become starship after airplane did they start doing like drugs or something and they're like no this is a starship or like because i i remember i just know yeah. that those are two names and i didn't you know <laughs> i now i'm like yeah that's okay so they went to starship but what 
What triggered also, the Starship Evolution? you don't be a rock band in the 60s and 70s named after airplanes, because that was like kind of a, you're kind of fucking with fate there a little bit, because everybody <laughs> right. kept dying Ooh. in plane crashes. Yeah, that's true. That could have been part of it. Maybe they were like, well, we can't yet be on a Starship, so, right. you know. We, like, yeah, they really gonna... respect technology. They're like, I don't know, that's kind of a big jump, man. To say yeah. we're a starship. Maybe equal parts respecting technology and drug use. Smiles to your question. I feel like right, right. All things in San could Francisco, be... drug use. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't no. see it in the seventies. No, way. I mean, Weird, Sly right? and the Family Stone, great band Off-brand. from the Bay Area too. Very straightforward. <laughs> very straightforward. Very not <laughs> right. freaky at all. Yeah. I know. Grateful Dead, like wore suits and ties, you know, yep. just uh, <laughs> very, very buttoned up. <laughs> you know, I've been told that I often talk about San Francisco and and clearly I love to do that. It's happening right now. So all of my friends yeah. are always like, Kate, you find a way to bring up San Francisco. You're right. I do. Yeah. That's like me in the Valley. You know, we, we we're Is proud it? of where we come from. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I'll like I'll just shoot. I'm like <laughs> the North Hollywood right there. Oh. Oh, born yeah. and raised? Oh, yes. Yes. Like that is a rarity in LA the, to be. I know it is. I think that's why. Family. And it's funny because all of my friends who are locals, like no one's in the industry. Like they all, they're like nurses or like therapists <laughs> and like do that other refreshing. things. They're like, I ain't touching that cesspit that like drove our families up the wall. So <laughs> you're like, I am. I am squarely planted in the heart. Like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm a podcaster, so it's nothing, nothing like traditional media. <laughs> that is correct. So, but yes, Jack, I am. I'm currently in South Pass, just to just to round it, bring it home to answer your answer your question. Yeah, there's a depth <laughs> to your background. It's very open and airy. There's a depth like, to your background. <laughs> thank you. I'm strategically hiding my lack of couch, my my very sparse furniture. I've still am, you know, filling yeah. things in. Okay. Got okay. books on those walls. Clearly, very learned. Are you just? The, are you just? You kick it at the table. Is that like your <laughs> living room then? Sort of the dining table where it all happens. You know, I do. Here's the thing. I finally got. I finally ordered a couch when I moved into this place back in October. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna unlock a new level of adulthood and just get a couch. Like, not get a hand me mm-hmm. down. Just like get a couch. Yeah. I did that for the first time. You did? Yeah. Yeah. It's it was. Pretty, it was a big, uh, it's big. It's an investment too because I was like, well, truth be, t- okay. I've bought like an Ikea couch, but then they disintegrate after like four months or like four, you know, solid sit down sessions on it. And then this time I was like, I I have to go and invest in my spine and back and butt and make sure I have a couch that is, you know, ass worthy uh, for me to to lie upon. (laughs) It's I think ass worthy is, yeah, number one criteria. Um, But but it's you know, it's COVID. It's taking a while. I finally, finally made the decision but yeah, I've been getting a lot of flack. My friends are like, are you a serial killer? And we don't know right. about it. You just have books in your apartment. <laughs> yeah. Just doing burpees in your living room all day? Is this a workout? Place? You know, it's like you got a little built-in roller rink, yoga studio. Yeah. Cartwheel yeah. space, whatever you want to do. Plus, when the, heat, when the heat comes, you're always able to just leave without uh, a moment's notice. Like uh, Robert De Niro said in oh. the movie Heat, greatest <laughs> L.A. film. Uh, like a CIA operative, yeah. Oh my God, that's right. That oh, got Jack. That's such a great reference. Yeah, I am a. Uh, I'm actually a doomsday prepper. Is what I've been meaning yeah. to tell all right. of you. I'm ready Don't to get go. Too attached. And <laughs> bank robber. We won't say it. Uh, and bank you know, robber. We'll bleep that part out because Thank you. you haven't been Thank caught. You. Yet, Wealth but... redistributor by force. <laughs> Wealth redistributor. Uh, all right, Kate. We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about. The NCAA was thoroughly owned by Brett Kavanaugh, but just in general by the Supreme Court. And it was pretty entertaining to read. We'll talk about how we probably aren't getting that free beer on the 4th of July. So, you know, we got to see the wild ass plans that came to fruition during the Trump administration. But now, you know, the things he wanted to do that people were like, oh, no, 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 are starting to trickle out. So we'll talk about one such that involved sending the uh, people who tested positive for COVID to a specific location. We will talk about a Republican politician who was caught on tape uh, within the past couple of weeks threatening to send a hit squad after a rival. And uh, I'm just curious if that's the new normal in Republican primaries now that QAnon is 
like a prerequisite to getting a right. Trump nod of approval. Uh, we'll check in with the drought. We'll check in with the price of burritos, courtesy of the Federalist. We'll uh, check in with the Olympics and Nielsen ratings. All of that, plenty more. But first, Kate, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Ooh, so much. I love a good Google deep dive. One you might not have heard <laughs> on this show before is Abraham Lincoln defenestration. That was okay. something that I, I Googled this mm. past week. Let me just quickly unpack that for you. Do you know the yeah. term defenestrate, what that means? You get, you get tossed you throw out. out a window, right? Yeah. Specifically thrown out a window. It's one of my favorite words because it's so specific, right? It's, it's like, like not just a German. throw. Yeah. It's the English <laughs> language's attempt at being like the German language where there's like a word for the most specific and dark <laughs> thing in the world. Right. Exactly. I thought I it was like... something like a... like. Like the medical term for being degloved, like skin wise. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. His arm was defenestrated. I was like, oh my God. And then I'm like, wait, oh, you mean thrown out a window? Okay. Fancy. <laughs> right. It definitely sounds like something else. It the does. Non plussed sounds like you're like unimpressed, but it actually means confused. Right. Jack, just quick sidebar. I'm so happy you brought that up because I always want to use the word non. I find myself being like, yeah, I was so non plussed. Like, Kate, that's not what that word means. Right. You can't <laughs> right. use it. Feels like it should be. Yeah. It, yeah, that's right. Change that's the right. meaning. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, defenestrate. Totally, Jack. It's like one of the words in our English language that is actually like very specific and doesn't have a billion meanings. And Abraham Lincoln. Fun fact, I am related to Abraham Lincoln. What? Uh, okay. Yes. Okay. Lincoln's great-great-grandfather is my great times eight grandfather <laughs> you do that math okay yeah and yeah i mean you know growing up it was always like a fun fact and i was like read the story about how we returned the penny across town because he was so honest and it was just like a lot of anecdotes about how amazing lincoln was and i think for that reason i didn't really look into lincoln because i was like you know i'm related to this person who's like you know this like hero. What is that going to say about me and what I have or haven't accomplished in my life? Um, <laughs> but I just started reading about Lincoln a lot more recently. You know, I, he's like kind of been mentioned in the past year in the news a few times. And I was actually <laughs> very, very happy to find that in a lot of ways, he was like a total mess, like in a lot of ways. <laughs> and one of the things that he did is he literally defenestrated himself. He threw himself out of a window in a very public setting at the Illinois Congress back in 1840. Uh, when he was, was a, like a rising politician? When he was a rising politician, which, by the way, he was a politician and then he was a lawyer for a long time. Like, it took him, it was a very long road for him yeah. to... Yeah, Lincoln was running. a fucking loser. Let's be straight here, okay? <laughs> we can we can all agree on this. Get this it together. How long did it take you to get there, pal? <laughs> I mean, like... Come on. What's, what's later than a late bloomer? Come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was one of the things where I was like, what? What? Why do you uh, self-defenestrate? Well, so that's why I was Googling it. I was like, let yeah. me get some more facts on Lincoln self-defenestrating. So uh, it, basically, the the like the quick and dirty version is Lincoln was a, a congressman for the Whig Party at the time. And there was this vote. There's a special session in Congress in Illinois, he was a, a, in the state Congress, and there was this vote, Whigs versus the Democrats, to essentially, they was going to crush the Illinois State Bank. Whigs wanted to keep the bank. Democrats wanted it to go away uh, for many reasons. And the Whigs knew they were going to lose. So a bunch of them walked out so they wouldn't achieve quorum, so the vote couldn't happen. Oh, but it. Lincoln stayed just to, apparently, one person was writing that he just like wanted to see the Democrats sweat. And then got essentially stuck inside and had to go out a window because he had like missed his opportunity to walk out wow. of the wow. of the, the room. Also, I, I thought this <laughs> was going in a completely different direction because he's like one of the things he was known for early on was being really good at wrestling. Like that was a, a thing oh, that people. My research has not led me to that yet, Jack. That's oh, yeah. So yeah. He was wrestling was like a big thing that people did. Like, especially in the military, because there was nothing else to do. And it was just like, I bet you can't lick me, which meant like, get me off my feet. And because he was tall and strong, he was just good at like throwing people around. 
So I thought he was going to throw somebody out the window. And yeah. once again, uh, not for the first time in my life, very disappointed in Abraham Lincoln. It's it's like it's like Kramer-esque from Seinfeld in like a weird, <laughs> exactly. like idiotic way where it's like you you had this plan and then you're like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm going <laughs> to throw myself out this window. Like, oh, that's, oh, not a, that's not a boss move, Abe. <laughs> Well, exactly. Like, it's flawed in numerous ways, which is like, okay, if y'all are going to walk out, like, Lincoln, just go, go and walk out. Like, don't stay to be like, ha ha, like, watch how right. everyone walked out and this is going to happen. And then B, yeah, like, you get stuck, you just panic, you throw yourself out a window. Also, he was so tall. So someone was writing that was essentially like, his feet pretty much touched the ground. It wasn't even like that exciting. Because right. he was so tall. <laughs> you want to see like a like, rough dangling landing. <laughs> Like, Abe, get out. What are you doing? Like, yes. They locked the doors. Well, then fucking jump. It's so. What am I going to do? Bring this hay. Bring the hay cart. Bring the hay cart so he can land on it. <laughs> like, but I don't like hearing that. It's like, eh, and his legs were so long, he merely stepped right out. <laughs> like watching Giannis exactly. dunk. It's like, right. Oh, yeah. That was not. His arms are straight up, and he just got on his toes. Yeah. That's right. That's well, right. So hell yeah. what an Lincoln. adventure that search history was. Oh, my um, gosh. Truly. What is something you think is overrated? I'll give a hot take on this. I'm going to say starting over, like the whole glamorous concept of starting over that I feel like mm. I see everywhere. It's like so and so's like splashy new chapter, like blank slate. Like, look, I'm all for a good refresh, reboot change, pivot, like burning down what's broken, zigzag. But I feel like there's just like often this built in underlying message of like and abandon everything you were before or like everything that happened before, you know, like throw it all, defenestrate it, <laughs> throw it right, all yeah, out the right. window. Defenestrate Insta your entire life. Yeah. Right. Like just to, yeah, just to like start fresh when in fact, like, can we just keep on going and like yeah look at the like messed up stuff we've done learn from it Grinding. you know look at the yeah. look at yeah trust the like wisdom of being a human in the world hopefully we've acquired some of that yeah. for years so anyway it's just i it so it's not so much maybe the starting over but the like everything that came before it should be forgotten kind of thing like you know we've seen how on a yeah. bigger level that's problematic and certainly i think on a personal level it, it can be too i think that's a great point i think we love the idea of somebody who like starts over in a completely new direction and like has success i think one of the big kind of icons of this is colonel sanders because he didn't like start selling fried chicken until really late in his life but that was all part of like he was he had a lifetime of failure like trying to sell different things so it's not like he was just like, okay, and I'm going to recreate myself as this fast food pitchman. It was just like that was another thing he was trying. He was just continuously trying to succeed at selling people shit yeah. and making money and like accidentally stumbled on this thing. But we want the story to be, it's never too late. Like this person, Alan Rickman, didn't play Hans Gruber until like late in his life. It's like, yeah, but he was one of the best stage actors in the world up to that point. Like, yeah. I yeah. mean, Sam Jackson's like that mm -hmm. too. I mean, like he was right. a drug addict and he got over his addiction and then began acting very late in life and look at him like, that's when you're like, yeah, that, that that's a, that's a bit of a turnaround. But I think to your point of like this whole idea of starting over it, yeah, you sort of cheapen the human experience of just growth and you looking at whatever you do through the lens of growth versus like it being good or bad or a mistake or something that needs to be torn down or whatever. I mean, like, sure, you make mistakes or you have ideas or personal philosophies that don't serve you any well, but you iterate on that and you grow and you build, you know, your life is just about building on top of all those things rather than like clear the deck and then start over. I think you want to value the fact that you're, we're all in a process called growth. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, to to both of your points, like you often find, even if it feels like you're doing a total, like on a personal level, a total career change, life change, whatever, I often just see 
I've seen it in my own life and, and with friends that like actually the exact things you need to do the new thing, you've kind of like backed into by doing all the other stuff. It's just sort of hard to know when you're doing that, you know? Yeah. But you can just you can pull. There's there's a lot of gold that I think can so easily just get thrown out instead of being like, oh, let me pull that into this cool application, like this new way mm-hmm. of doing it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The, yeah. The Samuel L. Jackson thing is a great example, because if you're life experience, the thing you've been most into up to this point is using drugs or like uh, substance abuse. That's a good thing to start over on. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people like when they kick that or, you know, are in recovery, find a lot of success. But they also a lot of the time will talk about how that failure is a huge part of their success. Right. Like all the all the failures, like actually embracing the the dark parts as opposed to i think in america we tend to like this idea of you know this person just stays winning they're just like always you know it's victory after victory and you know they're just pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and it's like well no you have to you have to be willing to embrace the darkness and the the bad parts Uh, yeah a thousand percent and often like right in the what is that quote that I think is subscribed or attributed to Joseph Campbell that what it, something about in the cave lies the treasure you seek? Like often the the dark stuff is, you know, hopefully that's been the what's also been helping you build and learn and grow all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's all the, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Is that? Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. That was uh, Harvey. Yes. Uh, yes. From, yes. Uh, <laughs> which isn't true. I don't think Great that can't be true. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I know, because it's nighttime and then essentially it does have to be at its darkest point to then transition to the light. Sure. But wasn't, I feel wouldn't like, it be? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely before at some point because yeah. you're coming out of the <laughs> night, but not like immediately before. There's like a whole sunrise thing that has to happen. Anyway. That's right. Uh, I feel like it's both highly optimistic and I feel like really daunted by it at the same time, which is, I think. Right. Yeah. True for a lot of adages. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what is something you think is underrated, Kate? You've Got Mail, the 1998 romantic comedy. Now, hold on. Before before you close this, uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this recording chat. session. Yeah. No, that's Stay been, with that's me. been plenty. Thank you. Stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with me. You're both like, wow, Kate was cool. And now complete point of view change. You've Got Mail, the 1998 rom-com, uh, yes, starring Meg Ryan and, and Tom Hanks, but more notably, guest starring Dave Chappelle, Greg Kinnear, Parker Posey, Steve Zahn. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about this movie. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, I got my wisdom teeth taken out. My dad rented all these VHS tapes for me to watch when I was recovering, and I kept going back to that movie, not sure why, and then I, that kept happening. Like It's a movie I've seen a bunch of times. But I have to tell you, I have met so many people who are the last person you would expect to like that movie. And like a very dear friend of mine who's an incredibly, he's from Queens, incredibly talented rapper, artist. I was like, one day we were hanging out. I mentioned a line from that movie, just like not even thinking about it. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. And I was like, what? You love that movie? (laughs) Recently, a friend who's an installation artist, like, just like very like artist person was like, I love that movie. And my husband is like, you shouldn't like that movie. And she was like, I know, like, I know <laughs> I shouldn't like that movie. Like it goes against everything that I am. But I don't know. I, you know, a friend of another friend of mine told me that he had done a breakdown of the script of that movie and it's like perfectly symmetric. So I have this theory that it's just like a weird calming mechanism for my brain to watch that mm. movie. Like the way that symmetry, right. things that symmetry can be. Anyway, I also just have to say the supporting cast is amazing. Like Chappelle is fantastic. Greg Kinnear is like so subtle. You don't even realize he's acting. He's so good. (laughs) And the little kid who's his brother saying (laughs) F-O-S. Miles, thank you. (laughs) I'm there too, Kate. You know, the devil knows his own. And uh, this is a safe space. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean, like, I, I've watched that movie a lot more than I care to tell people that I have. Because also, like, Why when you, you start think? watching, like, yo, the plot will also, I think the plot holes, like, sort of, like, I'm like, hold on, you st- haven't figured out who you are to each other quite yet. This feels a little, like, a, very unrealistic. But not to the point where I'm like, I'm done with this. 
there I don't know what it is if it's yeah. like the aesthetic of like late 90s New York and like that could be a big part like of it. mega yeah. stores aren't still a thing so like <laughs> you're like oh right yeah this is cool and like people were on AOL. their weird little Apple laptops and shit yeah politically it's weird because it's like Barnes and Nobles is taking over and that's just what happens <laughs> yeah. they're just like yeah and she's but like oh we thank still God. love them we still yeah. love them. <laughs> the moral is a little odd now, but, but I think when you're in a vacuum, I'm like, I feel the same way. Like, there's something. I, I, yeah. I, I, to your point, Kate, I feel like plot holes and things that are like the moral is weird. Like, that's almost a testament to the spell of the movie. Like, that's, that's what Christopher yeah. Nolan makes movies that are just like riddled with pl plot holes. But it's like, I feel like that's him showing off that he can like spin this web of like movie magic that we just like won't notice them. And like, yeah, I feel like that's a good example of a movie that we should have hated. And when we rewatch yeah. it now, we should be like, well, this isn't good. Cause this is like a love story in which uh, Sam Walton, like sneakily <laughs> seduces like a local, like mom and pop store owner. Uh, yeah. But it just works because it's Tom Hanks, obviously, and Meg Ryan, obviously, but uh, also just like a really well done movie. I feel like it's the new love, like love actually for a while was the movie that like a lot of really like very smart people were like, no, it's actually great. And I, I would disagree with them. But then when yeah. you watch it, you yeah. kind of get it. I feel like yeah. that we're having that moment for You Got Mail. Yeah, I think just such great points. And it's making me think about, you know, because it's also like it's a movie that I've watched over so many years. And to your point about like the moral issues of it, like a thousand percent, you know, it's making me think like, well, what is it about that movie? I also think it's Nora Ephron, you know, who who wrote and yeah. directed it and yeah. and and actually was not like if you read her essays, she was she was very feminist. Like she was not, a you know, sort of a like sugary rom-com person. At right. least it, it didn't seem like it. So I think some some of that must be a play. Yeah, it's a little bit of an enigma, that movie. But uh, yeah, but worth worth. I like uh, one fine day over. You've got mail personally. But you know, that's oh, my thing. God, I, I actually recently rewatched that on Hulu, Miles. And the opening scene of that, like to your point about nostalgic New York, like it's raining. It's a brownstone you can see in all these warm, glowy windows. Yeah. You're like. Wrap me up in this blanket, you know? I know. It made me like, I was so confused watching that movie growing up in L.A. my whole life. I'm like, how do these schools work? And, like, they walk across town to shit? I'm like, no, this, is, this has to be made up. Like, I don't know what the fuck this is. What is getting this out of fairy? magical fairy tale yeah. bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> and this fairy guy's in Barbados? Tale. Who? B-A-R-B-A-D-O-S? I just remember so many wild lines from that film. I don't remember that movie at all. Like, that didn't even... Yeah, George I, I Clooney, Michelle Pfeiffer. It's right. uh it's it's a deep cut, Jack. Like it's a and deep little man and egg from Arrested Development as a child. Yeah. yeah oh, really? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A thousand Maybe that'll percent. be the next one that has a like second life in the in the zeitgeist. God, I feel like yeah, I have to do a whole like just soul deep dive of if you've got mail. I just well, yeah, like so what is it about it. these things? Yeah. I don't know. Also, too, if it, it maybe just... harkens back to a like when I think of when I saw it and I was tr truly like a I had no responsibility. And so this it's like these films powerful. are like glimpses into like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know, like a, the economy seems good enough in these films. <laughs> like maybe an, being an adult isn't that bad. And then you're like, this isn't like one fine day or like anything I saw, it's like Mad Max now. Yeah, nothing about it is real. Yeah, except for the yeah Sam Walton, like the the bookstores thing. <laughs> right, the only real like, part is like dark as fuck. Like I feel very conflicted about because my my mom is a librarian. Like I grew up supporting independent bookstores. Like I actually right. feel deeply conflicted about it, oh, and wow. yet yeah. I just share that I believe that it's underrated. So there's some there's. There's some more soul searching to do there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't know what it is about it. My mom's a librarian. My dad is the CEO of Barnes and Noble. Uh, but <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. I just don't get it. Yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah, he bought a house next to this uh, library, claimed eminent domain, demolished it, and then built his first store. It was cool. I know. Uh, like Dabney Coleman shows up. Gene Stapleton is still like, what? What's happening? <laughs> I also have a brother who's three. 
<laughs> and a or grandfather an uncle, or six. Uncle? Yeah, it's a yeah, grandfather six. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> wait, what the fuck? It's a modern American family. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk news. And we're back. And we've been talking for a while. I think everybody has been talking for a while about how uh, just the existence of the NCAA, where they are the cops who make sure that student athletes who make it, them and institutions billions of dollars aren't ever compensated for their work. Mm-hmm. Like, that seems a little funny, right? And then, yeah, the so the Supreme Court issued a ruling today that just felt like one of those moments where you've been living inside a certain brand of insanity for your entire life and suddenly someone who hasn't really been paying attention comes through and is like what the fuck are you even talking about like what (laughs) it's just like so uh so they did they did not mince words here this is just the supreme court pretty thoroughly owning the fuck out of the you know the NCAA, the what what a lot of people have called the modern equivalent of like the plantation system. Mm-hmm. So, and they've been reigning supreme with this same logic since there were like all white basketball teams. And let's just read directly from Brett Kavanaugh's. I, I guess it was not the official ruling. It was like the he was seconding it like a hype man. Mm-hmm. and really brought the energy like a hype man. Uh, he said, the NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student-athletes in innocuous labels, but the labels cannot disguise the reality. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. All of the restaurants in a region cannot come together to cut Cook's wages on the theory that, quote, customers prefer to eat food from low-paid cooks. Law firms cannot conspire to cabin lawyer salaries in the name of providing legal services out of a, quote, love of the law. (laughs) Hospitals cannot agree to cat nurses income in order to create a, quote, purer form of helping the sick. News organizations cannot join forces to curtail pay to reporters to preserve a, quote, tradition of public minded journalism. And he keeps going. There's more examples, but they're all like. Yeah, that, that makes absolutely movie studios cannot collude to slash benefits to camera crews to kindle a quote spirit of amateurism in Hollywood. And right. like those are direct quotes from like the main tenets of the NCAA's argument that like, you know, there's a long tradition. We're trying to create a spirit of amateurism. The fans and, prefer that. <laughs> right. The pr- fans prefer it. It's a pure form of like athletic competition. And it's just like, yeah, man, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like when people would get in trouble for even oh, getting yeah. a whiff of money. They're yeah. like, all right, asshole, you're out. Get out of here. What are you making money off of your likeness because you are a star athlete and no one's paying you anything? Uh, well, I'm glad to see that this is finally, you know, changing or like something happened. But this was, feels like such a long time coming that yeah. it's wild to even think that this is a right 2021. That now we're we got Brett Kavanaugh writing these just wonderful, wonderful uh, comparisons. Totally, I'm I'm still stuck on all of those restaurants, law firms, hospital. Like I feel like I'm in Paperboy, like driving by these different parts of the neighborhood, <laughs> right. and he's just like listing right. them one at a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's clearly based on like his vision of you know lit small town America, and I don't know that this might be one of those situations where like arch conservatives come around to being right on certain things and i think this is yeah because i mean how do you argue that too i mean like on some, right. I, but i but who knows they're probably gonna have a, a, a business decision where they're like chipotle actually can pay the people whatever they want based on the vibes of the customers right. like, like wait, hold on, what they're like yeah i'm I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm fully on the side of mcdonald's for this and you're like well hold on just a second ago you were like you gotta oh sure yeah, you like to see it. It's I like the how unequivocal it is and just, you know, destroying their arguments. Yeah. Yeah, totally. One of our writers back at Cracked brought us an article about like just the most withering like 
owns in the history of Supreme Court decisions. And they're really funny and like super sarcastic. A lot of them seem to be from like modern conservative ones because I think they have like such a finely honed sense of moral outrage and like fixed opinions that they're just like dicks, uh, which kind of <laughs> scans. But this one, at least this one time, seemed to be absolutely earned and on the right side of history. So can what do you, can you start cutting athletes checks? Like, how do they how right. are they now meant to benefit from this? Yeah. So they're saying that this is kind of a limited decision, but the language, it indicates that the NCAA is pretty fucked because they mm -hmm. are they use this language on this very narrow ruling to indicate to Congress and the executive branch, like, look, this is what we think if you guys don't come up come up with like solutions to these problems mm. we're going to have to rule and then like when the courts are out of step with like the laws it's a mess so this mm. is them being like hey get your shit together this is illegal like start passing laws that make it so um yeah so it'll, being, it'll being, be being very clear about it yeah 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 make it so Let's let's see some back some back wages paid to uh the last forty years of NCAA athletes. Maybe uh yeah, we don't have any money. money. <laughs> <laughs> we only have a thirteen billion dollar endowment. <laughs> like yeah. Elena Kagan's like, please stop crying. It's in the court. Someone's this gonna doesn't... defenestrate themselves. Yeah. Yes. Right. But only from a first floor window. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're not about that Abe life. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the the thing we've all had in the back of our mind. Are we going to get free Budweiser products on the 4th of July? Miles, what is the status? We're update? utterly fucked. We are oh. we're not even close to getting the vaccination oh. rates that we need by the 4th of July to get those sweet free swill beers oh, that we have come <laughs> to love in this country. Yeah, despite all of like the incentivizing uh, and things like that, we are we're short. You know, I, Biden wanted 160 million people fully vaccinated and 70 percent mm -hmm. of the country with at least one shot by Fourth of July. And the we're, with where we're at, like, you know, just over 13 million people who still need to get a shot to like reach those numbers, we would essentially have to be we would have to double the current vaccination rate that we have to reach that goal in time. And, you know, it's a little disheartening, especially when you look in places like Missouri, where the Delta variant is beginning to take hold in that state. You, there's a reason why we're <laughs> we want to vaccinate. We want to be vaccinated to protect yeah. ourselves from these variants and to also slow the spread, because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago is the numbers are so low in the south, even if you're in an area that is at 70 percent. That doesn't mean that all of these there's a ripple effect that can occur from the lack of immunity or herd immunity in places that will very much completely destabilize things. And we can be right. looking at lockdowns again. So the vaccination it's like, yeah. numbers are so low in the South. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know like right mm -hmm. now, in like Louisiana, they're like, hey, man, you want a million bucks like they I mean, I'm sure on some level, the <laughs> yeah. government realizes, too, what it means, like aside from the rhetoric of just being like, Whoa. You, oh, you're going to listen to these doctors and these libs tell you to get a shot that even the people who run the states who are conservatives know if your customers aren't healthy, you can't have a business. If your workers aren't healthy, you can't have a business. And I think, you know, for whatever reason, maybe that's what's motivating them to try and do things. But it's just such a it's just such a fucking American thing that we're in now, like on top of having these vaccines that other parts of the world are begging for. There's all these people like, nah, I'm not going to take it. Fuck it. Yeah. It's going to see. Wait and see. Wait and see. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's just not a it's just a, it's an alarming trend to be looking at. Because, yeah, you hope that even with these low numbers, like we can somehow maybe maintain, you know, the public health uh, that we're looking for. We were flying there for a while in terms of like the rate of people getting vaccinated. But then it felt like it. Yeah. It seems like we hit the the max of like people who believe in science which is apparently like 60 percent of americans and then from there it was just like well how are you going to get these people who don't want to get vaccinated like it's just yeah. a completely different... i mean the thing is i know people who are just scared like they right. believe in science but they can't 
for whatever reason in their minds, it's a situation where I've heard two versions. One is, well, what if a more lit vaccine comes out in the future? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to buy PS5 mm-hmm. when PS6 is coming out three months later. That's kind of like, like a classic reason to not get something right. Like there could be something better. This vague thing right. that could be better. That's one version. And then I see I feel like there's a lot of the wait and see type, which are like, you know, I some like a friend of mine was like, fuck, well, I want to this Laker game. I guess I should get vaccinated. Like and that did it more than like, yeah, I want to get it for my own health or my own safety or the safety of the people around me. Because we're like, well, I don't want to be excluded from the Lakers game. So right. shit. Like here we yeah. go. But it was never like a I think it's also about like these, you know, a lot of people are in these information deserts too, where if you don't really talk, if you don't read the news or anything, you're at the mercy of whatever your coworkers or peers are talking yeah. about all the time. And so if that, true. and if you got bum takes coming out of that crew, like, eh, I don't know, I can't, I can't imagine uh, what direction you'd be going in. Um, but that's why I like regularly try and assure people. I know it's like, it's, please don't be scared. You know what I mean? Please don't. There's not if there's a Liddy one around the corner, then you can get the Liddy one, too. But for right, right now, <laughs> let's try and let's yeah. let's keep our, our safety in the front of our minds. Is it the needles? Do we think like are they scared one person? Of- I know. I know a needle person. I know yeah. a few people who have are not like anti-vaxxers, like in the sense that they completely say, like, do you know what they're going to do? Do you know what can happen to you? It's like, I honestly hate needles so much and I don't even leave the house yet. So I don't feel like I need it quite yet mm. or, well, you know, to, or that to, other stuff. Yeah. So. To those people, if there are any listening, I mean, I, when I got the vaccine, I could hardly feel it. And I remember saying to the person who gave me, I think it was the second shot. I was like, wow, I didn't even feel it. And he was this USC farm student. He's like, yeah, the needles are so small on these. They're so good. Yeah. That you, you know, you really don't. So I was bracing my- <laughs> myself for my arm to be sawed off when I got my first <laughs> I was like, here, because I like, I was one of those kids who would like melt down at the doctor's office. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, like yeah. I fucking yeah. hated that shit. Or I'd be yeah. like, <laughs> and my mom would like bribe me. She's like, you can eat like nine pounds of ice cream after this. Like, just sit still. <laughs> and I remember bracing myself and be like, fuck it. Here we go. And I was like, huh? Are you yeah. what? And I was right. like, I was like, shout yeah. out to you. The nurse practitioner for that. That was suave. (laughs) It was good, right? You know, but Miles, you bring up such an interesting point of the varied psychology of all of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, like, and there's, you know, from a marketing perspective, there's reptile brain shit happening where you're just like, I got to get to that reptilian part of someone's brain that even if they're not an anti-vaxxer, they just don't want to do it or something's blocking them or whatever it is. It could be a one of many things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, how do you psychologically appeal to this diverse set of of reasons? I think your point to talking with people around you, I mean, that it that, that's always a great solution, right, for so many things that we're talking about. Yeah. And I days, think just but... and the other thing is just like hearing people like express what they're saying. Like I I I'm, I can be much more even though I'm not like living in a fear-based model of apprehension around like vaccines and things like that for some people they are and Mm -hmm. like but then a lot of people get caught up in these arguments of trying to like even though it's more of an argument of like i'm afraid to get it they want to introduce their own facts and figures to try and bolster their argument it's like well this isn't actually about a philosophy like this is a philosophical argument this isn't about data because if it were you could look at a lot of the data that would probably say this is okay yeah. And versus like, if you're just afraid to get it, that's easier for me to wrap my head around, like to be like, OK, you're just afraid and you don't know enough to figure out what's going on. than being like, well, no, I'm not getting it because this and Fauci said that. And then if you really look at what happened in Wuhan, it's like, whoa, 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 because I don't yeah. think you even really believe this. I think this is unfortunately the vocabulary you've been given to express your fear around it because you aren't for whatever reason, you don't understand enough. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the beer thing is an example of something that like liberals would be able to get to. So I feel like that doesn't appeal to the sorts of people like I think there's something that is keeping people, at least the people who are like getting their vaccine information from Fox News, which I think like that information desert side of it is is real as fuck. Like. Whereas like the million dollar lotto, like that, that feels like something that 
if you win that, you can like own all the libs, <laughs> libs you want, you know? Like, right. So I, I wonder if that's like we just need to. Dude, oh, you, oh, you know what it is? It's like you could pants Joe Biden. Yeah. It's exactly. like a raffle. Yeah, like you could when dunk a team like, Harris on a, a team's on a, coach on an like, eight foot rim offers to that's get a tattoo self. or like have their head shaved if they win. Like, yeah, that's yeah that that would be amazing. Joe Biden's oh like, I get God. it, folks. You want to love... pants me? Let's go for it. If that's what I gotta do, you, you can do it. <laughs> like they'll be I like, yeah, man, I'm doing dunk, that. The dunk so tank good. angle yeah. is so good. It's so. They good. should try it just on a fucking on, as a laugh. You know what I mean? If you're like in a yeah. deep purple, said the government, like, hey man, you can fucking throw a pie at me if you right. if you get your if you're yeah. like eight lucky yeah. uh, MAGA oh, people well, can get their shot to get your you know get your photo and being like I I pied the governor. Hey man, you know, that's, that's cool. I'll, I'll fuck that pig. Uh, sorry, right. <laughs> from, from Black Mirror. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's cool, man. I get it. <laughs> no, no, we just said pants, man. We just no. Nah, I got, I got you. <laughs> I got you, pants. Jack. If that's no <laughs> rat, man, it's cool. <laughs> Joe, it almost seems like you want to fuck that pig now, man. No, uh, no, 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 no. Got goals. It's got goals. Who said gotta anything gotta about a pig? You just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And let's talk about an alternate way of dealing with the pandemic that was proposed during the Trump administration. Because, yeah, we're starting to get starting to get the goods, the the little tidbits from people who were inside, who were on the inside and got to see firsthand what things looked like. And, yeah. you know, we're caught up in the uh, dragnet of like anger and uh, investigations into leaking that kept some of this information from coming out. There's a new book. It's called Nightmare Scenario. Okay. <laughs> It's uh, this is an excerpt. There's a few of these excerpts that are coming from this book called Nightmare Scenario that comes from people who are working in the administration during the wow. COVID response. And yes, February 2020, they're in the Situation Room, and the, all these administration officials are trying to figure out like, like, what do we do? Like, we've got people who are like on that Diamond Princess cruise. We have people abroad who have like, we need to figure out what we do. Like, how can we bring them home? And Trump asks this group of officials in the situation room, don't we have an island that we own? What about Guantanamo? We import goods. We're not going to import a virus. And his whole thing was, get infected Americans and ship them off to Guantanamo Bay, where we currently keep political prisoners or, you know, perceived terrorists or anyone uh, who has run afoul of American foreign policy, to also be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's put people with COVID there and create a like sick island for uh, to help keep the country safe or at least hide what is actually happening. And this book goes on because, you know, we knew that he hated testing. He was always like the testing's bad or like we've always read reports. Mm -hmm. He's like, I hate the testing because then people know how bad the situation is here. <laughs> right. And at one point. He got in this full blown screaming match with Alex Azar, and a lot. I was in this article about these this book. So many things he just yelled within earshot of people. Like nothing was really confidential at a certain point because he's just so reactive and angry. So at one point wow. he's yelling to Alex Azar, "Testing is killing me!" Uh, so loud, his, they said his aides have overheard every word of this conversation. I'm going to lose the election because of testing. What idiot had the federal government do testing? Azar responded. Uh, do you mean Jared, as in Jared Kushner, who was put in charge to spearhead the testing strategy? So it's like filled with all these like, you know, it's just it's it's like as bad as it sounded. And his like dictator tendencies were as extreme as you'd believe, Oof. even though like his reaction, his first instincts are basically very draconian and authoritative. Like we're just like, well, then put him somewhere that he can't be seen. And it, for him, it's more just like hide the dirt pile in the corner. We've got guests coming over more than like, I feel I have the right to move people and put them there. He's like, no, 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 just we could hide our shame, hide our shame, obscure totally. the numbers. Totally. Talk about shoving stuff in a cave or like where you can't see it. Like, oh my God. Yeah. The things must be super awkward now at like any time Trump 
and Ivanka and Jared get together because apparently he is blaming Jared for like all his failures. Oh yeah, good, good. his quote failures, I should say, like yeah, his yeah. failure. Uh, one of them being the like human rights work. Like the remember when there were those random things where he was like doing prison reform? Yeah, and. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Wait, what the fuck is happening? Why is he doing like the right he went thing to Harvard. here?" He went to Harvard in in like an island of just madness and uh, reactionary political violence. And yeah, he apparently that was all Jared, and he was reported uh, saying behind the scenes, "Like Jared's fucking killing me with this." Like, and they're not even gonna vote for me. They being black people, and Black Lives Matter activists. Ah, uh, absolutely. Oh Look at that. Look at how we've reduced people to these weird customers. So you're like, mm -hmm. but I did the, did the we did but the I giveaway. Did the thing. Yeah, they're not coming back. I feel like that. That do you mean Jared? <laughs> it's just like yeah. a He's great like, refrain. Oh. <laughs> uh, do you mean Jared? Yeah. <laughs> just such a great Owned. low key refrain to the insanity, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, really, asshole? Yeah. You mean the child doll that you put in charge of it <laughs> with the porcelain face, who is like just gonna go down his like Rolodex to figure out the pandemic? No. Owned by the guy who uh, <laughs> swept Jeffrey Epstein under the rug when he was yeah arrested down in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh wow. So he knows a thing or two about sweeping things under the rug unsuccessfully. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still owned. Oof. All right, let's do a quick update on the drought. You know, we talked about it a week and a half ago. Since then, it's become one of the most extreme heat waves ever observed in the Western United States. This early, like in June, mm. fires are worsening. Fire conditions are at an all-time worst-case scenario. Air quality, which we talked about expecting to see that become a, a problem as it did last year when there are fires everywhere. Uh, air quality is low and, you know, seems like it's headed lower. Phoenix saw their worst air quality since 1980. Last week, soil moisture is at the lowest levels in 120 years, which you may recognize as before the Dust Bowl. And it's wow. just like creating these tinderbox conditions the second low, largest reservoir in california has gotten so low that a hydroelectric dam is going to have to shut down this summer for the first time ever at full capacity the dam produces electricity that can power eight hundred thousand homes which i didn't really have a reference for that but mm -hmm. speaking of san francisco san francisco has four hundred thousand homes so it's oh two God. san francisco's that this oh dam provides electricity for and they're going to have to just straight up shut it down and this is the central valley's worst drought since 1977 which is you know the ag agricultural breadbasket of much of america uh, farmers are being forced yep. to leave their fields fallow uh, one farm uh, they interviewed is having to leave a third of their acres empty and having to spend like tons and tons of extra money to like dig even deeper to get like supplemental water out of like wells. So I just wanted to present all that information in the context of this article coming from The Federalist, which is all about how Chipotle has had to raise their uh, prices by 4%. And this author is not having it. Yeah. Uh, Arch conservative just... outlet. <laughs> yeah. The Federalist. Uh, I'm just going to read the beginning. Chicken bowl, brown rice, black and pinto beans, pico, hot salsa, lettuce, cheese, sour cream. That's all I want. And I want it for seven sixty plus tax. Shut the oh, fuck Jesus. up. This, I fucking already hate this person. And Thanks to the ill-named American Rescue Plan oh. and remarkably short-sighted employment decisions, remarkably. the federal government has jacked up the price of my Chipotle order. Sure, the restaurant is the one raising its prices by about 4%, but the federal government is the cause. 4%, by the way, is 30 cents. So she blames this on them raising minimum wage or putting pressure on people to raise the minimum wage by giving better unemployment benefits during the pandemic. She says, give people a living wage they demand for entry-level jobs that were never intended to support full families. So that's her very narrow. Okay, so what's your plan for someone's upward mobility then? Yes. Wow. Like, otherwise, shut the fuck up, Kylie They need Zemple. to reach out. They need to send a mass email to people that their dads went to college with who are also in the Federalist Society 
And then they're, they'll get a job that basically requires them to write an opinion piece once every month and they'll get paid handsomely for it. That's what they should do. How about how about she works? Maybe she, you know, like her burrito price could say the same. She just has to work in the Central Valley for a week right. in the middle of July <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. in the hot sun and just just see if there's a there's a POV change. Yeah. Maybe talk to the other Republicans that make sure it's OK for them to use the kind of labor that they use while on the other side argue about like these migrant crises that are occurring, but also uh, are very hush hush yeah. that they're also they help m- ensure that this form of labor can exist as well. Like it's just uh But that's you know, it's such a clear redirect of like. So there are these like just blind, capitalistic, short sighted decisions that America has been making for decades now that have led to, you know, out of control global warming that are leading to more frequent droughts and more frequent fires and, you know, the the short-sighted decisions of a Republican president led to America having just a disastrous pandemic response. And these are things that are like making the supply chain just incredibly like fucked and fragile and just in a really bad position. And she's blaming like she just chose this one thing. The fact that people are able to make slightly better wages thanks to pandemic like unemployment relief, which like at a time when like so many crises are being caused by like that side of the political world, it's just wild that they've chosen the raising of the prices being paid to like the people who serve them food as like a as the cause of all evil in mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah. Great. A classic tactic. Just redirect that anger because and I'm trying to go for the I'm mad my burrito bowl went up a few cents crowd to try and really God. get the steam engine rolling and for these midterms. Like folks, I wonder how many I, I wonder if this because it. We've seen this specific thing come up a lot. I don't know if this is part of it, too. I know the immigration thing is going to be a huge part of the midterm attack mm. plan for conservatives. But I don't know if that goes hand in hand with like, I don't know if you guys noticed how much Chipotle has gone up because inflation is the other thing I think they're going to try and exploit mm. in terms of being like Joe Biden wants all this infrastructure stuff. What about inflation? I mean, Chipotle has already gone up, blah, blah. Like, you know, who knows what yeah. kind of fucking sick web they're going to try and weave. but. Yeah. Just yeah. Look Oof. at the real. Yeah. I mean, this is why I hope this is the direction that they take it, because like just having one person be like, I want it for 760 instead of 790 is like such a arbitrary like price difference that I feel yeah. like it's not going to sway anyone. They just sound spoiled mm. and mm. petulant at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, W.I.I.F.M. What's in it for me? Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, Jack, just that like the the 30 cent thing is like, yeah, you don't create, you know, hopefully a big crowd sway off of that. You just sound like how she sounds. Right. Um, yeah. And again, it's like it's just so it's such a hollow, dumb fucking take when you're <gasps> like, essentially you're vilifying people for not wanting to work for sub subsistence wages. That's oh really the thrust of it. Right. It's like there. How dare people want ask for subs they want more than subsistence wages and then also if your worldview is well those jobs aren't meant to raise a family on well then let's keep going because you're at the federalist you're some fucking galaxy brained know-it-all right kelsey right. tell me what then how what is the path right if you're someone who is there and this isn't the the ultimate stop in your employment mm. career what is the next step because let's say this person doesn't have a college degree and does have a child or maybe two and right. doesn't have time to go to school and get a degree at a university, maybe some night classes. But for right now, this is what it's going to be. What what can you do to alleviate those those forces that are acting on them to help create some form of upward mobility for them? Because if you're not pivoting off of that, then you're just wasting your fucking time with just this, you know, take from the Chamber of Commerce. Well, and it's you know, just such paid a you to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a it's just the disconnect is so it's just so like laughably obvious. Right. Just the disconnect of it's about me and my bowl. Where does that bowl come from? Where, you know, I mean, it's just <laughs> you're literally writing the illustration of the the wall that you have around yourself. 
Yeah. And I think I think just in general, this is just sort of how conservatives work. They, they'll we've seen it even in their policy now. They don't have actual uh, solutions to anything. Right. Like they don't. All they can do is like, oh, my God, they want open borders. OK, ah. what we, so let's talk about what. So where, where do you think the the source is of people coming here? And what is your what's your plan for that? Don't just go. That's what they want. America first. Well, then you're not going to fucking solve anything. And I think, but again, I think we've, we're so polarized right now that people just take whatever the little letter they see next to someone's name in a lower third on like a news channel and be like, yeah, I agree with this thing. And I won't give it much critical thought past that on both sides. Mm-hmm. Like whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, the terrible dehumanizing immigration policy from the left and the right, but both times that people are like, yeah, this, this could be an improvement. Maybe it's right. better. No, come on. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a there's a much more connective way to have an actual conversation versus a yeah a pointing at yeah. And I mean, you look at just what the Federalist posted on Monday, uh, one of their top posts: Juneteenth, quote unquote, celebrations repeatedly turned violent with shootings. You know, this is like right. <laughs> this is yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what they have to feed their their viewers to sort of keep up this, you know, really dark racist. Uh, cis het normalized whatever version of the world they want to live in her pinned tweet kylie zemple who looks like mm. you know she's like 24 is can we cancel dr fauci instead of dr seuss so that's the level of like oh, deep thought wow and... oh my god you've done wow. it wow wow nailed him king you wow. did <laughs> <laughs> that's a real that's, that's a pinned, real though. that's from moment. march that's from early march First of all, uh, uh, like, his name is Ted is Geisel. Dr. Seuss' good. real name is Ted right. Geisel. Kylie, just so you know. Uh, but no. <laughs> when, <laughs> what is it from, from March? Yeah, from March. So she was like, this is a winner, and I have officially <laughs> nailed it. She also pointed a thing where she said, this child is leaving school because of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. They got some oh. like articulate 15-year-old to just put a scripted speech in front of them. And then she's like, you see what's going on here? This kid is he has to leave now to go to a private Christian school because right. they're teaching him about history. God, and um, they're not teaching critical race theory in elementary schools. You just see the like vernacular. Remember when remember when everyone on the, the, the right was using Orwellian? It was just always about Orwell like, right. all the time. <laughs> you just get these buzzwords. It's like I want to see the email that goes out that's like, put this in. Just put this in and right. share it. Share it widely. Just use Orwell. I don't, it doesn't matter right. if you haven't read 1984. It's fine. Put it in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I would child. just love to read this child's uh, autobiography so far and like how how she uh, sustained a media career. I mean, probably on the right, the rules are slightly different. Like you don't necessarily have to do an internship that pays zero dollars because the Koch brothers are willing to pay any young person who puts a R next to their name. But yeah, just wear her sense that it's not like people who work at Chipotle have families to raise where that comes from. uh, I'd be interested. Well, it's also not my responsibility, you know, like we're in America and like we have to like I figured it out on my own and like they're going to have to figure it out on their own. Uh I think it's ultimately like where you will arrive with people like that who have absolutely zero empathy. Yeah. Gosh. All right. Yeah. Well, Kate, it has been such a pleasure having oh you on the Daily Zeitgeist. It has been such a pleasure. Where can people find you and follow you? I'm mostly on Instagram at Kate Scott Campbell. It's Kate with a C, C A T E, Scott Campbell. Uh, on Twitter at Campbell Kate. Kate Scott Campbell was too long. And uh, <laughs> Kate Scott Campbell.com. Usually, whatever I'm doing, I, I post updates right over there. Nice. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, yes. My uh, good friend Rachel Axler at Rachel Axler recently tweeted, the key that's been stuck to my forehead for two months just fell off. So I guess we know how long this vaccine lasts, uh, which I really appreciated. It was so ridiculous. And then someone wrote back and said that the magnet effect wears off when the microchip finds its final resting place in your brain. So everything is proceeding exactly to plan. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Feels uh, timely for all the uh, the the vaccination uh, speak. 
Rachel mm. is, uh, I, as your tweet shows, is, is fully vaccinated. So, <laughs> Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Miles of Gray. Also, the other show, 420 Day Fiance, for the fans of weed and 90 Day Fiance. Come over there to the calm waters of that show. Some tweets that I like. First one is from uh, at Nick Adams Webb tweeting, tell your father to Google LASD gangs. Yeah. So have your dad do that. Make sure he knows that the (laughs) sheriff's department have gangs in them uh, in L.A. in case they didn't know. Uh, Next one is from Jenny at Jenny Pentland tweeted, my 11 year old just screamed across the skate park. Mom, did you ever get our health insurance reinstated? I want to do a trick. Oh, boy. <laughs> Very real. And another one is from at Painus, P-A-Y-N-U-S-3. Uh, and then that tweet is garbage men and pickup artists should switch names. And you know what? I like that. Garbage men and pickup artists. Garbage yeah. men and pickup yeah, artists. work really well. I'd say that a garbage person is a pickup artist in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. yeah. The art of the That's pickup. Right. The art of the Do pickup. it so um, easily. Do it so smoothly. <laughs> Some tweets I've been enjoying. Hannah Michaels tweeted, is there a class in med school called how to assume your patients have fax machines? <laughs> uh, Sarah Haji tweeted, we'll never understand the impulse to wish a celeb a happy B-Day on Twitter. How can so many people be wishing Nicole Kidman a happy birthday? Uh, and I am baffled by that as well. It's always like, why is this celebrity trending? Did they say something horrible? Did they do something right. awesome? No, it's just their birthday. It's just <laughs> their 37th birthday. It's like, what the fuck? Why, why is that something that I need to care about? Um, and then finally, Stacey Burns tweeted, as seen in the Phillips neighborhood of Minneapolis, and it is a lawn sign that says, make the golf course a public sex forest. And there's just a picture of a map of a golf course with just different old-timey photographs of people having sex all over (laughs) it. And I think that's a a beautiful sentiment. And then when conservatives uh, react to that negatively, we'll be like, okay, well, let's try a public park then. That'll be like our way of widening the Overton window a little bit. Right. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information (laughs) that we talked about in today's episode. And we also link off to a song we think you might enjoy, Miles. What song are we linking off to today? This is a little mashup of Drake. Uh, and just some, you know, some nice different kind of instrumental music behind it. Ooh. And it's called Jesus Christo's Plan. Uh, and it's obviously <laughs> Drake's God plan, uh, God's plan. And this is by Cancrejo, C-A-N-C-R-E-J-O. And this mashup is on SoundCloud. So we'll put the link there for you to check out this wonderful vibey remix. Speaking of SoundCloud, there's thunder here in Pittsburgh, uh, which I haven't experienced in like uh, a long time. Get out there, Jack Frost. And my kids, my kids have never experienced it, I don't think. So this is going to be big for them. That's amazing. Anyways, uh, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us. This morning, we are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye.